coming up on Just Elders Podcast. It's Wednesday, y'all know on these podcasts, we have what we call a Just Series, where we interview people that are just dope. Um, this brother, I've been knowing him, I think it's safe to say close to uh, seven, six years. Man, this brother is an author. He's a speaker. He's a brother. He's a friend. Most importantly, my favorite title, he's a committed father. You know what I'm saying? The brother goes really hard. I love how he fathers and loves his children. His children are brilliant like he is. Um, not only that, he is a PhD doctor. I give it up for Dr. Derek Standifer. I'm going to let y'all know. That's for you right there. Ready? Born ready. It's Wednesday. Time for your favorite podcast, your favorite podcast. Hey, vibe with me for a second. Hey. I am a Capricorn. Shout out to the Capricorn. Hey. In the Capricorn moon. <laughs> Scorpio suns. Man, Virgo, where you at, baby? I need you back in the studio. <laughs> Not a man. I'm going to bring it back. We're going to do it just like this. What's up, family? You tuned to the Just Elder Podcast, the hottest podcast to ever hit the airwaves. I'm super excited. We're about to record the greatest episode we have ever recorded. I say it every time, and I mean it every single time. Welcome, 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 welcome. Thank you to everybody that has been supporting. Thank you for the love. Thank you for the support. We appreciate you all. Um, for those that asked me, we didn't move. We actually just moved to a different studio. Inside of the studio, I know y'all listen. y'all used to the couch, but this is honestly this is where it all started. This is uh, the very first room. Yeah, it's like we redid it, and then we never came back. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. This is the studio. That Shout st- out to Nina. Exactly. This studio that started when um, I remember when the house was still residential. <laughs> yeah. So everybody be in there. I'm trying to record my studio, my podcast. <laughs> Yeah. Y'all be quiet. Yeah, so, hey, we here now, but... Yeah, the... Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Please edit that out. Please edit that out. What the fuck? It's still man. drama going on with that shit, man. It's shady Saturday. No, it's not. It's Wednesday. It's Wednesday. There's no need for the shame. Um, that being said, man, it's, today's Wednesday. Y'all know on these podcasts, have what we call a Just Series, where we interview people that are just dope. Um, this brother, I've been knowing him, I think it's safe to say close to uh, seven, six years. Yeah, we met in like 2016. Uh, that, that was when I first met you? Yeah. Hey, okay. I thought I met you a little bit before that, but I right, met him in 2016. Man, this brother is an author. He's a speaker. He's a brother. He's a friend. Most importantly, my favorite title, he's a committed father. You know what I'm saying? The brother goes really hard. I love how he fathers and loves his children. His children are brilliant like he is. Um, Not only that, he is a Ph.D. doctor. I give it up for Dr. Derek Standifer. I'm going to let y'all know. 
That's for you right there. That right there. Oh, appreciate that, good sir. So Derek is the uh, author of a book called Life is Like a Rubik's Cube. Um, first brother I seen solve a Rubik's Cube like, uh, y'all remember that movie uh, Pursuit of Happiness? <laughs> like Will Smith. Yeah, literally. The way uh, you got your Rubik's Cube with I you. I got my Rubik's Cube with right. you, sir. All right, so I'm going uh, to just drop this up. But uh, he was the first time I seen a brother do it, do it. You know what I'm saying? Do it without... Like, you know, I don't saw the Rubik's Cube before, but I took all the stickers off and I put them back on. <laughs> I know I ain't the only one that did that shit. <laughs> like, I, that's how I saw my Rubik's Cube. So uh, it was dope just to see um, this brother do it. But it was deeper than that. It wasn't about the Rubik's Cube. It was about solving the problems of life. Uh, talk, yeah. to, talk to the people about it. So I came up with the concept, life is like a Rubik's Cube after living life. Um, so I juxtaposed it to solving life. Um, I, I, I flunked out of school, went back to school, um, and blessed flunked out of which school. So I flunked out of so many schools. It don't make no sense. So high school and college. So, or just college? Uh, 2009, I graduated from Carver and I went to FAMU. Two years later, I flunked out of FAMU. Mm. A year later, I transferred to Georgia State University and I got the lowest GPA in Georgia State history. I got a 0.0 GPA <laughs> right now at Georgia State. So I, was, I was going to collect it. My refund checks just leave me. I was getting my reparations. Oh, I seen that. I seen that hustle before. Uh, shout out to Trey. Trey, the first person put me on that. Go to, go to school to get a check. That's the only reason I thought about going to college. The only reason. The only reason. I was even showing up. So after the first week, they ain't see me no more. What were you doing? You were trying to flip it? Or, um, or you were just living off of it? Yeah, you know, just young and reckless. You know, just stupid. I, I thought I had these aspirations of being a world-renowned poet. So, you know. You were a poet. Yeah. You know what? Because I met you through Javante. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Oh yeah! At the church, yeah. Damn. Yeah, yeah. Okay, now it's all making sense. You know I mean? I missed it. Uh, so yeah. Yeah. Uh, shout out to Black on Black Ryan. Yeah, Javante's a fire poet too. Black on Black Ryan, dope poet, mentor. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Okay. So you were just like, I'm gonna do this poetry thing, but I need this money. Yeah. Correct. 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 Uh. So what was your what was your fate major? Um, history. Okay. History, and that's what I got my degrees in. I got I got two degrees in history, and I got my PhD in leadership, but I, I used the historical component to write that dissertation. So, mm. yeah, I've always been a history buff. Um, so you seem like a naturally smart dude. Why why, why drop out and do all that shit? You seem like you, like, did you get good grades in high school? Or no? I did good. I was salutatorian in my high school. I was most likely to succeed. So I was SGA president. So it, it seemed like I kind of ironic to drop out of school, right? But sometimes, you know, we got to hit rock bottom to, to establish a foundation to build upon. Sometimes we just need to live life, and life is our, our, our best teacher, our greatest teacher. You know, we learn more from life than we're going to learn inside of any classroom. So that's been my experience with that. Thought. So, so go back, go back. Uh, where you grew up? Are you from here? I'm originally from my mama and my daddy. Oh, my God. By way of Atlanta, Georgia. Yes, you so can I'm tell a, this nigga from the uh, school uh, of Les Brown. <laughs> <laughs> that nigga will listen to Les Brown speeches. I can tell now. Like, I'm breaking all that shit down on the phone. <laughs> Fuck that. So... <laughs> Where, where you from? Though? I'm from Atlanta. Born and raised from Atlanta. I grew up on Campbellton and Stanton Road. Went to Sylvan. Went to went to Washington. Graduated from Carver High School. Siblings? Uh, Sylvan Middle. I uh, said so you got siblings. I do. Got, I got two brothers. Uh, yeah, I'm in the middle. I got two brothers. Yeah. Two brothers. Two brothers. Okay. And uh, I'm just trying to get dive a little bit deep into the background of Derek growing up. Okay. Okay. I'm, get, I'm going somewhere with this. So okay. So uh, background. You know. It's, it's sad to say, but it's a common narrative. Uh, single parent, my mom, she worked 12-hour shift to take care of three troublemaking boys, and we never appreciated her efforts until we had kids of our own. Damn. 
And I think the difference between me and like the people that I grew up with, I had a man who came into my life and served. He was, a, you know, sometimes you got father figures and you got people who hold it down as a dad. And for me, that person was Coach Hill. Mm. He was he wasn't like my daddy. He was my daddy. Um, and he gave me. I I, I never would have had a chance if it wasn't for Coach Hill. What sport? Uh, football. Started out as a football coach, evolved into a mentor. Next thing you know, I was always with him at all the family functions. He he would like you him you didn't meet him through your mom like he was just nah, your nah, coach. Nah, he had no no relations with my mom. He's a football coach strictly. Okay, so and I don't then, let fuck. Got to point that out though. Y'all yeah, know that yeah, if he coaches sure out there, man, out, if he coach fucking with the mamas, man, <laughs> <laughs> that's the only way I thought about being a coach. I seen him one kid get dropped off. <laughs> y'all still need a defensive coordinator. <laughs> I was like, man, I think he, I don't think he a running back. That's a linebacker. <laughs> I come work with him personally. <laughs> but all right, all right, no relation to mom, no relation to mom. Keep going, keep going. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, so, and then Coach Hill started serving as a mentor, and then that relationship evolved into a father-son type bond. Like, everything that a father teaches a son, he taught me. And then, you know, I'm a community child. I grew up with a whole bunch of people who saw something in me that I didn't see in myself. They invested in me. They saw my, you know, they saw my situation. They just wanted to help. And by the grace of God, they influence on me just done changed my trajectory. So what? So how do you get that? You find a coach that is a father. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? You got people in the community that supporting you. He's smart as hell. How do you get to? How does that translate to? I'm not going to college or I'm flunking out of college. What is, what happens? So uh, I graduated from high school. I was salutatory, and Howard University gave me a full ride scholarship to go to Howard. I was a salutatory, and they gave me a full ride. Um, what happened? I turned my paperwork in late. Missed the deadline. Okay. Turned missed the deadline. Um, I had a counselor. She went to find you, and she was like, "Dad, you need to go to find you with something magical about being in Tallahassee." So um, I ended up going to find you on loans. Howard, Howard University gave me a full ride scholarship when I ended up going to find you on loans. And what's crazy at the time, it was a horrible decision, but it ended up being the greatest decision that I ever could have made. Yeah, you, you know, know. Fam, you, fam, you family is different. Yeah, man, it's something, like she said, it's something different about about going to FAMU. FAMU teaches you, you know, it's, it, it evolves you from adolescence to adulthood. It teaches you how to network. It teaches you how to get to know people and how to, you know, how to find the right people to connect with. What year you came out of there? Uh, I came out, I went in 2009. I graduated in 2013. I got my master's degree in 2016. And I got my PhD Last year in July 2022. All they, all your degrees from family. All my degrees from family. Damn, family, you literally made me a man. Literally, <laughs> damn. Then they got there. You a family? You proud of you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You a real family? Die hard, die hard, rattler, orange and green. I bleed. I do. I do. You see, you had a scholarship. I didn't. I didn't. Oh. Um, my my bachelor's. I didn't have a scholarship. Um, so when I came back to family, I was laser focused. I was sitting on the front row in every class. When I dropped out. I think, I don't know, what, I, don't, I don't remember my GPA, but when I came back, I had straight A's. I was sitting mm-hmm. on the front row. I was a new student. I had straight A's. Uh, so when I graduated, they offered me a scholarship to go get my master's degree. I had straight A's in my master's degree program. Um, and then they, they offered me another scholarship to come back and get my PhD. So it was kind of like, I can't turn down these blessings. Let me take advantage of these 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 doors that are open. So, so he, he like this man right here. Oh. Yeah, I turned it down just to do this, just to grind from the rap. So you uh, had an opportunity to do the drug yeah, thing, a scholarship and everything. Right. Um, I think it was like in Jacksonville. Hmm. Yeah, a big a big band in Jacksonville. It's a big college though, and they offered me like fifteen, some like ten million or something like that. 
five so, so, so how much was your scholarship, bro? <laughs> Why would no five me? <laughs> <laughs> Why would no five me? Let me say that nigga fifteen million. That gave that nigga enough to got them go to school for two PhDs. That nigga's I think about fifteen, ten million. <laughs> what? That nigga look at that sky shit like a record deal. <laughs> yeah, man. Look. That's shit. the funniest shit I have. Bro, I'm talking about fan, confident with it, too. Hey, you know, Jacksonville Records. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> gave me 15 mil. God, God damn. All right, so look, I do got a question. Um, When you got serious, when did the baby come in? When did your first Ayana? Oh, man. So Ayana came into the picture. So we found out that we were pregnant with Ayana when, when we were 28 weeks. 28 weeks, we go to the doctor. The doctor say, you 28 weeks. I said, that man don't know what he's talking about. That man got to be crazy. Um, then on top of that, Ayana was born six weeks early due to a to a um, condition called preeclampsia. Mm. So I was in class. The next day, we had to go give birth to Ayana. It's May 19th. May 19th, she was born on Malcolm X's birthday. She so are you focused then, or are you still like the bullshit student? So when she came, I was I was zoned in. Okay. I was locked and loaded. You know, sometimes kids... Kids push you to do things that you right. that you don't that you you don't even think is possible. That's why I'm trying to get pregnant now. Uh, I'm ready to go to the next level. I'm, I'm determined that's what's going to do it. Like, that's a motivation. Like, nothing no else has done it. No mentor. <laughs> no positive influence. Like I'm gonna have a baby. All right, keep going. For real, yeah. So uh, she was born. She was born six weeks early, and I knew I had to just kind of t- turn it on. Just turn it on. And I graduated with her. She, you know, she was in the audience right there when I graduated. Um, yeah, yeah, that was a beautiful thing, a beautiful thing. That's what's up, that's what's up. So you, um, now, I don't know how deep, you, you can mark this too, I don't know how deep you want to go, we doing a whole story, we... We can go to it, yeah, we can go talk to talk about it. All right, cool. Yeah, cool. You, was, you was a confidant doing all, doing all, doing that, doing that transition period anyway, so yeah. you know about it. So the reason why I want to do this interview, because we are talking about life is like a Rubik's Cube, and Rubik's Cube is ultimately a visual manifestation of a problem really that you can solve you know what i'm saying and i think people write books all the time but some people write books some people live books i've seen this brother live a book i've seen him live this book multiple times in multiple situations and the reason i asked about your fatherhood because i know that journey of you going to a father was real you know what mm-hmm. i want you to talk about that like one being a father focused having another child, then transitioning to a single father. Mm. What does that look like? So, um, you know, we got married, uh, we got married young. And I think when Uh-oh. you get, I got married when I was 24. She was 20. Yeah, both of us were 24. 24. No, I was, she was 25. It, I was 24. It was a big marriage, big wedding, or it was like, let's run off and elope with. It was a, it was a courthouse wedding. You know, we got married at the courthouse. It was like, okay, cool. We got a, but we who got was a there with y'all though? Uh, her mom. We had some close friends. Okay. It was probably so, like 15 people that I was. But it wasn't a elope, though. No, it wasn't a elope. Okay. It wasn't a elope. Okay. We already knew what was going on. Yeah. So uh, we we got married. Um, and was we decided love. to. Yeah, you know, when you're young and you're in love, you want to do things right. And I had a mentor said the most revolutionary thing black folks can do is get married, have babies, and stay together. So mm-hmm. that was my mentality. And then, and then, you know, I didn't have my biological father raising me, so I always wanted to be different. Coach Hill was my, was my model for fatherhood. So I said, I'm going to raise my kids and. And, and act right. Um, but unfortunately, you know, things happen. So we, we went through this nasty, ugly divorce. It was a nasty, ugly divorce yeah. um, that left me a full-time single daddy of two beautifully troublemaking babies. Um, and in my pursuit of serving as their dad, right, 
you know, I, I treated like Jackie Robinson into, into integrating baseball. You know, he couldn't be an average baseball player. He had to be the man. He had to be MVP type level. So, you know, I had a rise to the occasion for Ayanna Derrick. Like, they got to be five. Ayanna, mm -hmm. she learned how to solve Rubik's Cubes when she was six. Derrick's six, he learning. They scoring the 99 percentile in every test they take. I, I, I'm like, you know, I'm like, I never wanted the fact that they raised by a single daddy to be a, a, a crutch on them. Right. So they still, they got to push and, per, and pursue and prevail. And, you know, blessed and fortunate, highly favored. My kids are academic rock stars. They excel academically. They're well-mannered kids. And that's because I'm always looking over my shoulders. You know, when you got two parents who go through a nasty divorce and both of them want custody of the kids, mm -hmm. as a, as the man... Talk about that, though. You got custody. Like, everybody want, you know, that's, that ain't, Keith, you can yeah, speak to I, it. Yeah, how'd you get custody? Yep. Um, but it's crazy. I got, I got a whole bunch of friends that's like, man, don't never get custody. I don't care no, what they right. they, they, they never get custody. But, uh, you know, when, when divorces get nasty, a lot of, a lot of lies and stuff get thrown Define out Define nasty. So, um, nasty. We were separate. I was in Atlanta. She was in, in, in Florida. And it was like a four-month period where I couldn't see my kids. I couldn't even talk to them. It was like that kind of nasty. Like, you know, when, when you know, people, when they when they separate, we say we're not going to use the kids as pawns. And kids, unfortunately, that rarely happens. I, I've, I've, I've yet to see a divorce, an amicable divorce with kids involved. And our situation was the same kind of situation. Um, You know, the kids were kind of used as pawns. I, I, I made sure I documented everything and recorded everything and, and kept, you know, copious notes of everything. Mm. Unfortunately, you know, you got to do all that stuff. But I went in there, my paperwork was right. Um, I was able to, uh, to to dispute all the lies that were told about me. Like, it was like, when I was in court, the judge was like, you know, you can lose your graduate degrees. You can, you can, you know, lose a lot of rights. There was a lot of rights that was kind of on the line when it comes to, custody situations, especially when it was like false was accusations like, of like, domestic violence. I was about to say, it was straight like lies. On yeah, man, it was, yeah, it was like uh, I was trying to break into her house. Um, I wasn't. Yeah. Tell was, what you were doing there. This was, I, I did a, um, <laughs> I did a, a wellness check and had the police go down knocking on her door. But she wrote a report saying that it was me trying to get into her house. I was like, you know, that was the police down there trying to, that was, that I just I asked them to do a wellness check. Um, she wouldn't let me see the kids for like four months. I couldn't even talk to them. So when she recorded all these things, and they were enrolled in school with me, we should do a six-month, six-month split. So they went down there for spring break, um, and she just never let them come back up. So I, I, I recorded I remember that time. Oh, so, so then that, that's kind of like a, a character judgment on her for the, for the, uh, for the judge. Character kinda... judgment, yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. then um, unfortunately, um, we, might have to, we might have to play around with this situation, but mm -hmm. that was a situation where um, – you know, at first it was a I'm here for you type ordeal, but then it was a I think it's embarrassing for a mother not to have her young kids. So they're willing to go to extremes mm -hmm. to make sure that they keep their young kids. Mm -hmm. You know, Derek was a baby. Ayana was three. So, you know, it was a lot going on. It was just a lot going around. So I think I was trying to protect her, too. But at the same time, I had to use what I had to use to protect myself. So, mm -hmm. you know, we go to court. I had to kind of lay out, lay out the facts. That's what happened. And then, you know, the judge was like, okay, cool, you got your kids. Um, that was a period when I got my kids, that was a lot of resentment. You know, it was more, it was a lot of you got the kids, you take care of them, and when you fail, I'm gonna get them back. It was a lot of that. Yeah. A lot of, you know, okay, cool, you're gonna fail. And at first it was it was a man, what being a single parent is is ridiculous. It's I I, I wouldn't wish it on nobody. I remember when I first got Derek and Ayana. Derek spilled his bowl of cereal. I fixed Ayanna's bowl of cereal. She dropped her bowl of cereal. Then I spilled my bowl of cereal. I was like, bro, this is... <laughs> How old are they when you got one and four? Oh, one and, one and three. One and three. One and three. 
And at first, you know, you get thrown into the fire, but as you get used to it, you just get used to it. You know, I started teaching them. I started seeing the joys of raising kids. My daughter's reading at three. That's a warming feeling when I'm teaching her and she's reading at three. I'm like, oh, man, this is dope. Right. Then she started learning how to play chess. Three or four years old, she playing chess. So my son learned how to play chess in three or four. When when they start to show their genius level, you're like, oh, man, I'm good at this. You know, mm-hmm. you know, it's some things that they missing. I, but it's the same. It's some things that kids are missing when they're raised by their single mama, too. Right. It's both ways. You know, you should, it should be two-parent households. But kids miss something from the, if it's a single mama, they miss something. If it's a single daddy, they miss something. So, you know, one, being aware that they're missing something. But two, like I said, don't use it as a crutch. Let's let's elevate. Let's rise to new occasions and sh- show what's possible. And then the pursuit of teaching my kids, I saw what Marvin Collins was doing. I taught, I volunteered at the Ron Clark Academy. But my daughter, she's blessed and fortunate. She can she attends the Ron Clark Academy now. But I, I and I, um, they went to a school called Brownsville Preparatory in, in Tallahassee. So I saw what kids were doing. I saw three-year-olds reading. I saw four-year-olds doing multiplication. I said, so my kids going to do the same thing. These are standards that my kids going to do. So in my household, we got whiteboards all around the house and charts all over the wall. Yeah. And they steadily, you know, they steadily rising to the occasion. So it's a beautiful thing to see, to see them do they, to see them do their thing. Yeah. God dang, Dr. Dareston. Mm. So, obviously life. Life showed you that you could solve problems. You know what mm. I'm saying? Talk about the transition to starting your pursuit of being a professional speaker, uh, uh, the developments of the book, you know, kind of where you are now. Mm. So the book is stemmed from, um, in the, in the first page of the book, I say, if you have, if you have, if you're going through trials and tribulations, use your story and put it into a book because other people can be inspired by your story. You know, sometimes God gives us a test for us to turn, turn it into a testimony and share with other people. So, um, I realized I was still working at FAMU as a graduate coordinator. I was helping students apply for graduate programs. And I realized, I realized that a lot of kids were making excuses about why they needed to drop out of school or why they needed to flunk out. Mm. And I was like, I would love to have your problems. I would love to trade problems with you. You, mm. you come be a single parent. Um, you know, my mom, and my, my mom and my dad died. My mom died from cancer a week before I turned 26. My dad died my second year of my PhD program. I was like, I would love to have your problems. Let's trade problems real quick. Um... But then I, I, start, I was like, let me stop having that kind of mentality and start using my, my, my burdens and turn them into the triumphs. How can we turn our pains into power? How can we take things that were meant to break you and use them as a, as a, as a, as a show of strength? Right. So um, I wrote the book. Well, first off, before I wrote the book, I wrote a speech. I started doing this speech, and people were telling me that my story was, was a, uh, as an inspiring story. Young people need to hear this story about resiliency and overcoming trials and tribulations. So then I put it into a book to make it a little bit more tangible. So you can hear the book, you can hear the speech, and you can also pick up the book and read the journey as well. The speech is the one you did at the commencement at FAMU? I did a, I did a commencement speech at FAMU. Um, yup, yup, yup. Nice speech, okay. And, the, and the, it's five parts to the speech. The first is to believe in yourself. You got to believe in yourself before you can accomplish anything in this thing called life. You know, I grew up, and on Camelton Road, nobody in my family had ever graduated from high school. And you mean to tell me that I could get a PhD? I never thought that was possible for me. Right. I, I didn't know no doctors growing up. The only doctors that I knew growing up were Dr. Dre and Dr. Seuss. <laughs> and you mean to tell me that I can get a PhD? That was crazy to me. What's your uh, brothers do? Um, my brothers, um, they they good. They decent. They they you know, there's a there's sometimes a cycles that need to be broken in order to change the family trajectory, right? right. So my mom, she worked at a factory. And my brother, my, my older brother, he works at a factory. You know, he's a 
great dad, great, you know, he holding it down. But I think I think it was time for us to penetrate through that academic space. Yeah. Um, I love my younger brother. He's a, he 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 got a job and everything. So, you know, I, I just think it was just time for us to penetrate through that academic space. It's changed the trajectory. Yeah, just, yeah, because we got we got you know right now twenty twenty three. I got nieces and nephews and stuff like that. I'm still the only one in my family to graduate from high school. So I really want to be an example to show people like, y'all, we can we can change our whole trajectory through the space of education. Um, and there's a certain level of education that you just got to get. Right. You got to you got at least graduate from high school. Right. You know, that's our bare minimum. So, right. And minimum. Yeah. I got that one. Yeah. You know, we graduate from kindergarten and middle school. <laughs> they go ahead and finish the high school. I got I got the high school. Done. Yeah. I, ain't, I ain't do nothing else, but I got the high school part done. Yeah. And uh, then I I don't want to I don't want to intimidate people to show people that. You know, I got my PhD, but that wasn't impossible. It was hard, but it wasn't impossible. And there's people out there who, you know, they PhDers. They just need somebody to believe in them and their ability to get their own, you know, to get their PhD. And to get your own PhD at whatever you deem a PhD is for your level. Do you require your kids to go there? To go to, go. to the PhD? Nah, level? nah, nah, nah. My kids, you know, man, education changing. I don't believe that education is the great equalizer right now. My kids, they they academically on point, but I really want them to learn how to adapt and how to hustle and learn how to talk to people and learn how to meet friends because those are those are intangible currencies that can that can do way more than a degree can. You know, I look at you. You know, you you got a high school diploma, yeah. but you Eldridge for a reason. There's a reason why you Eldridge. You feel me? Like you know, everybody everybody walking in their lane. Everybody walking in their. My kids are not required to go to go to college. Mm-hmm. One, one one of my requirements is my daughter, she told me that she wanted to work at Chick-fil-A. And I'm like, nah, you can't work at Chick-fil-A, baby girl. You can't work at Chick-fil-A. Not you. You got to start. You Your brother start a can. Business. You can't. <laughs> nah, he can't. They got no, to start, start businesses. They got to start entrepreneurial endeavors. Um, one of the things I try to promote now my kids is when you got kids, they got to take advantage of the fact that they're kids. One, people support kids' businesses more than they support adult businesses. Any day. On a, you know, you see kids... Kids, I, you know, I see kids selling lemonade. Lemonade ain't that good, but people just gonna buy because it it's a kid doing it. Right. So, I did that the other day. I bought three cups. Just because kid. Here. I know a kid. <laughs> drawings don't be hitting them like that, but that nigga be out there selling them drawings. <laughs> draw like a motherfucker. I can say the name. Shout out to Keo. Keep working, young brother, but I feel you. <laughs> Only young man that got my approval. <laughs> exactly. So, hey, it's true on the kid thing. Yeah. Um, but your business, what is your business? How, how do people support you? So, so what I do is motivational speaking. Uh, I So people bring me out if their organization needs some confidence building, if their organization needs uh, how to how to set goals, how to overcome resiliency. I'm a resiliency speaker. Mm-hmm. So people bring me in. A lot of people hire me to come in um, because they're working with first-time generation, first-generation college goers. Mm-hmm. So I can give them tips and steps on how to how to go through college and how to matriculate college as a first-time college goer. You know, um, college is a new world if you've never been there. Right. It's a whole new world. So you need some type of some, somebody who can bridge that gap and show you these are the things that are available for you, and this is what's what's possible for you if you stay consistent on the journey. And where the ten million dollar scholarships at? Nah. <laughs> <laughs> ten million dollars. Ten million dollars. I had ten million. Stop rapping. Stop rapping. All right. So, uh, uh, you said you do. Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> you stupid as fuck, man. So you said uh, for uh, organization confidence. Uh, organizations you do uh, 
confidence building. What yeah. does that look like? So, so my concepts is, is the Rubik's cube, and a lot of times people think that it takes a genius to solve a Rubik's cube. And me, I, I personally believe that everybody got a genius inside of them. They just need to learn how to tap into it. Right. And with the Rubik's cube, I, I, I simplify it so. People say it take a whole bunch of Came algorithms. about 20 minutes on that one. <laughs> yeah, he did. Yeah. Now, 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 see, everything for me is a method in my mind. Uh-huh. I'm showing these people this is real. You know what I'm saying? When I give it to them, let people know it's real. Yeah. I've been doing it for how long now? It's about 20 minutes. Exactly. So you know this ain't, this real. Keep going. <laughs> so uh, when it comes to solving a Rubik's Cube, people can sometimes think it's a whole bunch of algorithms. I'm pretty sure y'all done heard it before. It mm-hmm. takes some algorithms to solve it. I don't know anything about algorithms. I know how to match the colors. And I, th- I think w- when it comes to life, a lot of times we think life is a set of algorithms when really life can just be matching colors. We can match the colors in and learn how to solve the twists and turns of life. Um, so I introduced Rubik's Cube because if you can learn how to solve a Rubik's Cube, which I know everybody can because I taught my daughter at six. I taught my son. He's, he's six and he's t- 95% of the way. Hey, look, I just seen it for the first time. I remember I told him, you were like doing that. I said, bro, you want to help kids and people solve it? I ain't going to believe you if your kids can't do it. Yeah. Remember I told yeah, you this yeah. shit? And that was the, that was the journey. Ayana learned how to do it like two weeks later. Yeah, I remember. I this down, baby girl. I remember. Um, and since then, I've taught, I've taught about a thousand kids how to solve Rubik's Cubes. And I always see like this, this light bulb moment. I can solve a Rubik's Cube. Now, apply that same energy into solving your, your science that you said was impossible. That's, or do it to your calculus that you said you can't do. All right? So let's, let's control that temple that you said you can't control. You learn how to solve a Rubik's Cube. You can unlock twists and turns to, of, of many things if you can uh, solve the twists and turns of the Rubik's Cube. All right, so check this out. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, for the first time but not the last, I want to bring to you a brother who is a teacher, a brother, a motivator, an inspiration, brother that came from the bottom and now he's here. <laughs> this brother walks the walk, he talks the talk. He is one of the smartest, most intelligent brothers I know. Ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to present to you Dr. Derek Standifer and his speech, Life. It's like a little cube. <laughs> so it's a five-part method. So the first part is that you got to believe in yourself. So, I mean, I picked up this Rubik's Cube with the confidence that I can solve it. Mm-hmm. My kids, they pick it up with the confidence that they can solve it. So after you believe in yourself, you got to solve your cross. Right. Solving your cross means to identify your why, your reasons. Y'all, I'm a full-time single father, two beautifully troublemaking babies, and they my why. I want them to accomplish, you know, everything. Then my, you know, my parents just like my parents passed away. All I want to do is make them proud. So they my why. Think about them all the time when I'm when I'm pursuing this thing called success. So after we solve our cross, y'all, the next step is to fill in our corners. Filling in the corners means to surround yourself with people who are gonna make you a better version of yourself. You want average other people that you surround yourself with. If you want to be a quality person, you got to have quality people in your life. You know, so everybody in my circle is smarter than me. You know, it's an honor to, to sit here with, next to Elders Washington. Elders smarter than me in some in some areas. So, of course, I'm going to keep him in my circle. And they, they, they do the beast. Everybody in my circle knows something that I don't know. So every time I'm talking to my friends, it's, I'm gaining new insight, new wisdom about this thing called life. All right? So after we take it to the next level, y'all, we got two-thirds of the Rubik's Cube solved. That's a solid foundation, right? So the next step, the fifth and the final step of solving your Rubik's Cube is to, solve, is, is to see the bigger picture. Now, seeing the bigger picture simply means to keep your commitment to your commitments. Y'all, when we say we're going to do something, we got to do it. And I needed to take my own advice, y'all. In 2009, I went to FAMU and flunked out two years later. A year later, I flunked out at Georgia State. 
Then I heard some words by Les Brown. He said that just because you fail, it don't mean that you're a failure. You can always bounce back from your trials and your tribulations. And that's what I decided to do. Then I, I went through this point where I was battling the twists and turns of life. And I promise you, if you keep pushing and keep fighting, you're going to get to a point where you solve your Rubik's Cube. Yeah. Derek standing for y'all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Derek five, bro. Now, the, now the, the bonus still one, you can't take the stickers off the Rubik's Cube. If you take the stickers off, you're going to mess it up. And it's in life, the metaphor in life, if you try to find shortcuts in life, you're going you're gonna to ruin your life. And then two, once you plant your flag at the top of that mountain, once you solve your Rubik's Cube, that's the bottom of a new mountain. It's now, the, it's now time to accomplish new goals and new dreams and new aspirations, y'all. We should never get to a point where we feel like we made it. We should always desire to keep getting better in this thing called life. So as a matter of fact, I refer to myself as a human becoming not a human being, because I can always become a better version, y'all. We can always get better in this thing called life. Mm. God dang Derek. I fuck with it. Hey, look. I ain't gonna lie, man. Derek is somebody I watch and I've admired until he kicked me out here mastermind group. <laughs> dang, dang, dang. <laughs> See, he talking all this shit about the four corners. And he kicked me out of the mastermind group. What, what, what was the mastermind group? <laughs> it was just got up out of that thing. So <laughs> you got that first ticket up out. <laughs> <laughs> no, but mastermind group is uh, one of the four corners of uh, surrounding yourself with people who better than you. So, you know, we had a group of people who we all pushed each other to elevate to new levels and new heights. Um, and and the, the beauty in it is, you know, I never see young men gathered around um, for a common purpose or a common goal in life. Until I, you know, one until I met Eldridge. Then I started seeing it. Now, okay, they got organizations like this. We got people who who coming together to form um, coalitions that can help us get to a higher purpose in life. That's a beautiful thing to witness, man. It's a beautiful thing to witness among young black men. Yeah. Now, nah, I like that. I like when I see, uh, especially young black men coming together for a purpose. Um, my issue is a lot of times we come together for that purpose, but we never look within and try to like, figure out, okay, we're going to come together for a purpose. Are all are all of us kind of equally yoked to even complete this purpose, right? Because you might have the degree, right? But might not have the money. I might have the money, no degree. You might have the network, no. So then how can we all get equally yoked and then accomplish it together? Because, like, there's plenty of organizations, even on down to the fraternities, sororities, mm-hmm. NAACP. Like, there's a bunch of organizations, but, like, I think about, like, the PAC. I don't know if you ever read that book by those yeah. brothers who all yeah. came. Because they, but they all held each other accountable, but they also didn't let each other slack either. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It'd be a lot of brothers might say, oh, well, let's come together and do this. But if we come together and do this, what about the actual person? Like, how are we Are we just completing this goal? Or are we really going to do this together? You know? Yeah. So, like, I, yeah, I, I feel you on the mastermind. That, that does make sense. I, I, think, that makes sense. I, I think the greatest example of it is LeBron James and his count. Exactly. You know, LeBron yeah. James, you exactly. know, you know, he he's LeBron James, but he got specific people in place to uphold the brand, to uphold the legacy. And everybody eat, everybody win, everybody play their role. I think that's a perfect example. And, and not just that, he also empowered those brothers yep. to get into those roles. And see, that's what I'm saying. How many people are gonna be LeBron James, but also come to a Maverick, come to a Rich Paul and say, Hey, look, I'm gonna put you back in school. I'm gonna have you intern with this agent to get your skills up that we can get rid of them. And now not only are you running my business, but you're running my business competently because I put you on even ludicrous. He always talked about, he put his homeboy through culinary arts, school, <laughs> made his own chef and then he started his own restaurant. 
You know what I'm saying? We didn't just say, hey, bro, let's just go cook for me. Nah, I'm going to put you through school, make you competent in it. Mm -hmm. So I know you're a good cook. And that's what I'm saying. So, yeah, LeBron James is is, a great example. My favorite LeBron James clip is the one when uh, they go to the basement. And and he was like, yeah, I got some friends with me. When Rich Paul and everybody come out, he introduced Rich Paul as his stylist. <laughs> like, yeah, the, yeah. I mean, when they, just, when they first was running around, because he was working at Nike. Cause you, hey, you just trying to make the jerseys that first one. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. try to just make it make sense. Mm-hmm. Like, I want you to be here. Like, your boy ain't all the way developed in skill. I just want to make you my stylist. You're going to be my stylist. Yeah. So it's just crazy to see Rich Paul saying he was a goddamn stylist. You know what I'm saying? To, hey, and, I, and that's what I'm saying. And some groups, he would have just been a fire ass stylist. Still, right. right? As I'm a as I'm a multi billionaire, yeah, you still part of the group, but you just a fire ass stylist. Nah, I'm gonna get you all the way up so you can get other LeBron James. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. That way you can work independently of LeBron and come back and make it even stronger. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? That's what to me. That's like the next level of a group. You know what I'm saying? And that's a, that's a sign of great leadership right there. Yeah, you know yeah. when you when you study great leaders. Great leaders produce other great leaders. You know, we it's not a it's not a when I die, the whole organization dies with me. It's a okay, I can multiply my organization and you can lead your own organization. And when you leave, your organization's still functioning and thriving. So I'm trying to tap into that leadership space where I'm a you know, what John Maxwell called a level ten leader, so I can create other organizations that can still thrive and survive without that's, my presence. That's what's up. Fuck John Maxwell, but I feel like that quote. <laughs> um uh, goddamn um I do got to say this. So 2008, Derek come to me. He's like, yo, E, I'm ready to take this book to the next level. I'm ready to launch this thing. You know, I want to I wanna release it. So, uh, yeah, so when I, I want to release it. Uh, this is how I want to do it. So I'm like, all right, bro, I got you. Let's do it. So I send Derek a proposal. You know, I want to do your book release. I want to do this. Proposal came out to about $5,000. And I laid it out. Remember that shit? Right? Yeah. Derek gave me half of that. Gave me half the uh, deposit. And then, for whatever reason, we had to hold. You had to get the branding right. Something happened. What What was the reason? We we, we had a hold for some reason. You said you had to get something together. I don't, Am I, I telling I, right? I think it was COVID. I think we had run into COVID. COVID was a big gap. It was before COVID. That's 2018. COVID ain't until 2020. Yeah. 2020. Yeah, so, so it was, it was, I remember something. You had to, you said, I want to get it. I want to do it right. I want to get the branding. It was some period of hold. Yeah, I, I don't know what happened with the gap. Um, you know, but when he came back, he came back. But when he came back, I was fucked up. I ain't gonna lie. You know, he gave me twenty five hundred. That twenty five hundred got spent probably twenty five hours later. <laughs> I'm just gonna be two thousand eighteen. Somebody ain't doing the math right. <laughs> like, was it? Too, I just know I seen. I looked, went back and checked our email. Kadarius sent me a text, man, that really sparked this interview. And you don't know this, like, but I'm my audience, I'm very transparent. We have all the conversations. Um, this is me giving a public apology for not communicating how I should have communicated on that process. And we don't already acknowledge that we're gonna get it right, but this is me telling you I didn't handle that situation right. And public, you know, so, so, <laughs> one, this is a surprise that you bring this up publicly. But two, um, just the thing about you know, when you when you develop relationships with quality people, right? You know, quality people are able to like, hey man, that's water under the bridge. Let's finish the goal. Let's finish the project. So I appreciate you one for that too. Two, um, you know, you've been supportive in pushing the brand. Like even when I first wrote the speech, you brought me out to a whole bunch of organizations, come speak to them. 
um, just to get them, you know, 10,000 hours under my belt. Right. So one, I appreciate you um, with the mentorship, the guidance on making life like a Rubik's Cube what it is. Right. Now, we had a little fallout period on when it comes, but it, I, I think it was, I think it was COVID. I think, I think COVID just kind of, you know, kaboomed everything. But since then, um, then the rest of y'all kicked me out of Mastermind Group. Uh, yeah, this man keep talking about it. he got kicked out of Mastermind yeah, I did. But, uh, <laughs> you can edit it. <laughs> but, but the fine thing about Elders is, you know, like I said, step number uh, step number three, you want to have quality people in your circle. You're a quality person, a genius at what he do. Um, and, you know, one, we need to do a better job of supporting and endorsing the geniuses that we got access to. Because a lot of times, familiarity breeds content. Like, we know somebody... And we know how dope he is, but we see him so we see him so often. That's just how he is. We're not. We still we forget the fact that he's dope. So you know the people in my circle. Sometimes folks to, be dope, but you can be dope and still like fake. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like that because that sometimes that'd be the issue too. Now you, you ain't dope, and it's not the contempt. It's like nah, that person might be dope, but I don't know what kind of business they run. You know what I'm saying? I don't know yeah. what kind of you know because some people be fire. Say, I, Think about rap, right? You think about DMX and Jay-Z. Both uh, just as good, but DMX didn't come off like how Jay-Z came and Jay-Z off. even said that. He was like, you know yeah, what I'm saying? It was, it was, yeah, DMX placed out two albums that was better than mine. He should have been. Yeah, you see what I'm saying? So like, that greatness is there. And I might want to rock with you, but DMX don't bark on you. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I can't rock with that. You well, well, that's why I, me and Keith, we always talk about it. That's why I want to bring it up public on the podcast. Because I, what, what's my friend I always tell you? Uh, how I do business. With the, with the universe, I do business with the universe and not people, and because I typically do right by the universe, or by people, the universe yeah. always do right by me, and I can count on my hand how many situations I got to reconcile with business. And, and you know, and a lot of times it can fall out as sometimes being fake. Because I could have like, man, Elgy, man, you know, you fucked up for that, man. You a lame, man. you know that fuck. But it was also understanding of, hey, bro, you Elgy for a reason, bro. I know you Elgy. I know you. I know you don't do people like you don't do people like that, bro. So it. it me, I was humble. I had to humble myself to come to him and say, you know, let's let's complete the project one. But I know he don't do being like he wouldn't be Elgis if he did being like that. You can't you can't build a brand the way your brand is doing people dirty. Right. You can't. You just it's impossible for you to get to the level that you are on, and you ain't even nowhere near where you supposed to be at. You ain't even nowhere near where you're gonna be at. I but you can't even get to that point doing people dirty. So I already knew it was gonna get good. I already knew it, it wasn't even no 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 thought in the back of my mind that it wasn't. So this is the beginning of that. Uh, I do want to. Uh, one, you still got your books for sale and stuff like that. I do got my, I still get, do got my books for sale. Yeah, yeah. So, um, one, we gonna buy some books uh, here. We we'll make sure we put one up. Um, but two, just want our listeners, our listeners to buy some books and support. Oh, that's dope. That's you know dope. Um, so, if y'all, if y'all here supporting Eldridge, I'm gonna look out for y'all since y'all looking out for him. So the books are usually twenty dollars. Nah, give give sell them for twenty. But but no 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 ain't none of my listeners broke. No 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 I appreciate it, but I'm gonna still look out for them. They they usually twenty, but since y'all listening and y'all tuned in today, y'all get them for nineteen ninety nine. I got y'all. <laughs> I got y'all. <laughs> that guy, that guy, man. Tell the people how they can find you, Derek. For so real. um, Instagram is lilark underscore lilark. Life is like a Rubik's cube. <laughs> Facebook. Well, I was about to say, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> Out of all this shit we've been talking, this man said lilac. I was like, oh, hold on. That sounds like Google. So, uh, the acronym of Black Black Rubik's Cube. I got you, got you, got you. Facebook, LinkedIn, Derek Standerford. Derek Standerford. That's my mama's son. That's my daughter's daddy. That's my son, Papa. So, yeah. Yeah. That's what's up. Uh, anything you want to leave the people with? Any words of wisdom? 
Um, <clears throat> I think everybody's given a gift on this planet. It's your duty to learn how to use, utilize your gifts to serve mankind and womankind with your gifts and your talents. You know, we, we placed on this planet to serve with our talents. Use your talents and die on E using your talents. Thank y'all for listening. Y'all be great like the lakes. Y'all be blessed like the streams. Peace and blessings, love and light. Dan standing for y'all, man. We say this every week. We love y'all. We need y'all. But most importantly, can't wait to see y'all next week. Thank you for tuning in to the Just Eldridge Podcast. City with T.I. Outcast. And ooh, we everybody know about Atlanta. It's just a cool G. Everybody know about the scammers, about the trappers. And what we living now, it's just that lifestyle. Turn on my podcast. I'm trying to hit it real now. Hear perspective. We want to keep it real now. Every day we on the grind. Sometimes it's hard to tune out the outside. Tune in on the podcast, tune in on the podcast, yeah, real things, you know we gon' last, yeah, kick it back, kick it back, kick it back.